Hey everybody, I'm Brad Palumbo, and welcome to episode two of Damage Control, my new podcast where we are reclaiming the LGBT community from the insane leftists that have taken it over. My guest today is Clarkson Lawson, a gay Republican and Instagram influencer. We dive into tons of topics, everything from woke LGBT people trying to boycott Harry Potter to pansexual visibility day and the United States Embassy in Brazil pushing insane pronouns. Buckle up and get ready to do some damage control. All right, Clarkson, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. So I want to start, just introduce the audience to you a little bit. I actually discovered you, I, you did a Vice debate on YouTube that I think, I may have followed you from before, but that's what where you really popped out into my mind, where you were um, debating issues, I think. Was it, was it Vice? Uh, the Jubilee. I did two Jubilee debates. I'm oh, not sure it's Jubilee, yes, not yeah. Vice. They, they, they're almost the same. They do these massive YouTube debates with like influencers and you popped off on that debate a couple <laughs> times and went a little viral and that's where I discovered you. How did you end up in that situation? Uh, which one are you referring to? Was it the trans men versus conservative men or was it anti-feminist versus feminist? I think it was the trans men one. You know, honestly, that was the first like public appearance I've ever done. Um, I started posting on like social media on my TikTok around 2020 and got some attention there. And then the casting director reached out to me and she's like, hey, I've got this panel that I want you to be on. And I'm like, okay, like you want me on it. Um, and then I walked in and like Brandon Tatum sitting next to me and I'm like, okay, I've really got to bring my A game. And I don't know. I mean, I just felt like I was speaking the truth and sitting across from me was a lot of delusion. So I felt the need to clear it up. <laughs> so I guess, how would you describe yourself ideologically and what was your kind of journey towards getting there? You know, I, I kind of find myself like a, a rock in a hard place because I mean, I would say I'm right leaning, um, but there's a lot of nuance to a lot of political conversations. And that's one of the reasons why I started following you to begin with, because I feel like you, you really, you know, break down the nuance in a lot of uh, these hot topic discussions. But I would say I'm right leaning. Um, what started it out, I've always been technically, you know, you know, conservative or Republican growing up in my home. That's how my parents were. That's just the way I was. I grew up in a Christian home. But I kind of strayed away from that as I got older, when I came out of the closet and you know, just kind of go through that young phase. You, you always kind of lean a little bit um, to the left. But it wasn't until 2020 when I really started to you know, buckle down and figure out what I believed in. And with everything going on with COVID, it was like, I was like, okay, this is insane. We're definitely being lied to. Um, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Everybody's acting crazy. They're putting plastic saran wrap over their face. <laughs> so then I, I was like, okay, something's going on. And then I really just started, you know, speaking my opinions. And I think three years later, I can confidently say that I'm a right leaning man. Um, but I'm open for nuance. Yeah. I, I appreciate that about you. I'm kind of the same way. I sometimes feel like a, between a rock and a hard place. So I was more libertarian leaning before the pandemic and, a, it made me more libertarian leaning, but then yeah. also a lot of people saw the light, I think, in such an extreme situation. So many people were um, red pilled or even just like kind of woke up from typical, you know, Democrat or liberal leaning views when all of a sudden their kids' schools were closed and they uh, were being told what to do with their bodies and businesses were closed, but all in super 
inconsistent and insane ways. Like the bar has to close at 10 p.m. because COVID only spreads after 10. Then, of course, it's more crowded uh, at, at 9 p.m. So. Right. Or you can shop for clothes in Walmart, but you can't at a boutique because that's yes. a small business. <laughs> in Michigan, where I am, Whitmer closed certain aisles of stores. So oh like in the garden. I didn't know aisle, you were in Michigan. Yes. Ugh. Okay. <laughs> uh, the, um, the, the gardening aisle of the store was closed, but the food aisles open in Meyer. You just can't garden outside. That would be very dangerous to do. Um, so yeah, make it make sense. It doesn't. I'm, I'm, so I am curious because experiences vary uh, with right of center LGBT people that I talked to. Some when they came out, honestly, just had like a totally chill experience. Their conservative family was totally accepting. Some of them that I know were disowned by half their family. What was your experience like? You know, to be honest, I say I came out, but I didn't really. I just started dating men because I didn't really care. <laughs> um, I just didn't. I never have been able to get on board, even when I was just like looking at the gay community from the outside before I like started dating men. Um, I, I, I was never able to get on board with like broadcasting like I'm gay. Like I'm like nobody really nobody cares. So to me, I just was like, okay, I'm I'm dating men, and I was like, hey, you know, this is my boyfriend, and everything was fine. There was no repercussions to that. I never got any blowback. I did get blowback when I said I voted for you know Donald Trump, but whatever. But that's a separate conversation. Um, so no, I I had a really great experience. Just you know finding who I was. I was given the time to do it. My parents never gave me anything about it. And I'm really happy that I didn't make it this big production because I just think nowadays it's not needed. You know, I mean, I'm only 25. The majority of the country accepts it. And I think making it into something bigger than what it is is part of the reason why our community is where it is now, where everything is so over the top and theatric. And people think that, you know, we're oppressed and, and we're being targeted when really the reality is nobody nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, I think that's largely true. I will say yeah. I, that was totally my experience, very similar to what you described. But I also didn't really come from super conservative or religious family or anything. I grew up in New England. Um, yeah. But I have talked to some people. For, for example, I, um, I briefly, uh, I don't know, dated a guy who worked for the RNC. And there are so many gays at the Republican Party official oh, apparatus. It's crazy. It's shocking how many gays run the Republican Party. I, I, genuinely strange in D.C. But hey, I'm all about it. But uh, I was seeing one of them, and I will never forget, he told me that his sister told him if he got a boyfriend, he could no longer be around his niece and nephew. And I'm like, that is deranged. But I guess there is still that holdout slice of like, super religious society that is still very intolerant and unfortunately i think they're having a little bit of a comeback at the moment mm. uh in part because people on the far left have really overplayed a lot of this stuff and so i i, I never like to i've heard lots of great stories from people about how easy it is to come out now it's still not a uniform experience that way unfortunately but i do think it's moving in the right direction well, yeah. And, you know, I don't like to speak and, you know, it, this is the way it is and it's it's great for everybody and nobody cares. But at the end of the day, I feel like there's always going to be outliers within the, any situation. You know, n nobody's going to have the same situation. I do think the majority of the time, nobody really cares. Um, but there are going to be situations, obviously, where people are getting terrible experiences from their family, their loved one, their friends, and all that stuff. And my heart goes out to them because you know, that, that would be something terrible to deal with. 
but I just don't like, you know, it's just hard for me to sit here and say that like, because of those outliers, somehow it's hard to be gay in America because it just hasn't been my experience. I think, yeah. I think generally speaking, it's not in yeah, many ways. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's only been, I mean, I will say I've experienced genuine discrimination I, a few times I've been harassed by homeless people yelling slurs in DC, mm -hmm. of course. Uh, but you know, <laughs> you can't really live in DC and not be chased by a few homeless people. Yeah. Um, but so I've had I've had some some negative effects, but I've also had a lot of doors open for me by being gay and outspoken in public that probably wouldn't have been otherwise. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like there's not also privileges that come with it in you know today's day and age. There's some some real benefits. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I look at my life and I'm like, would I have the platform that I have if I was straight? Like, I wonder what I if, if people would even want to listen to me. And I'm like, you know, what? honestly, I probably have half of it or, or even less. And being honest about that, it's like you can go the intersectional route and start to, you know, this, what privilege do you have here and what oppression do you have here? And I just don't want to go through that because I don't believe in intersectionality. I don't think it's, it's useful. Um, but, you know, there, there's, it's a blessing and a curse for sure. Right. All right. Well, I want to kick us off by talking about something that I know you have strong feelings about, um, and that's Chick-fil-A. First <laughs> off, uh, what's your go-to Chick-fil-A order? Oh, okay. So everybody's going to think I'm so fat. I get a chicken sandwich, but I don't get the fries. I get the entree, and then I get 12 nuggets. That's because a lot of I food. just really like I I know, but I don't get the fries and I get a diet coke. Okay, oh, it's a diet so, coke. Yeah, that. yeah. The diet coke cancel cancels <laughs> it out. I learned that from like Thousand Pound Sisters or whatever. Um, but there's more protein and you get more chicken and it's actually less calories than the combo if you were to get the fries. But All then right. At Buffalo well, and Ranch. According to this TikToker, you are a traitor because you still eat Chick Fil A. So take a listen to this. I can't tell people how to spend their money. They're the ones that works for it, so they can spend it any way they want. But the minute someone says that they support me and support the trans community, and then go and spend their money on Chick-fil-A and anything Harry Potter, <sighs> including the new Harry Potter game, and claiming that is their favorite game and the only video game they play all the time. Like, I'm sorry, you don't actually support me and my community. Because you are literally are handing over your money to these companies that are majorly funding all these anti-trans and LGBTQ bills that are hurting me and people in my community. Like you have no right to say that you support us if you can't listen to us and help fund these bills. Like, sorry, not sorry. You actively choose to not have our backs and the fact you can't boycott and go without those things and actively letting these companies who'd rather us be dead use your money instead of the businesses and companies that want to see us alive and thrive? Well, not gonna lie, that just rubs me the wrong way. Ugh, I have many thoughts on this, but also, I just, from the get-go, this isn't true, is it? I, that is, <laughs> like, I can't even form a rational thought in response to that because there is so much wrong with it. It's like, just a spew of lies covered in <laughs> virtue signaling. I can't, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> For one, I don't like, know how let's to talk to about it. J.K. Rowling, right? First off, I don't think she's actually said anything that offensive or really that controversial. But one thing she most certainly has not done is donate money to anti-LGBT groups pushing laws in the United States. That is just factually untrue. She has never done that. 
And also, I mean, what laws are wanting them dead? Because that's what I was kind of like, wait, that they want to kill you? I'm confused. Who, yeah, what no. organizations and laws are, are going after you and want you dead? I, I've never understood that sentiment that there's this like genocide going on. It's the most thea- like theatrical response. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I get that there are lots of laws they perceive as anti-LGBT, and we can debate whether they are. Some of them, I think, are not. Um, But even then, they're not. Nobody's trying to kill you. Calm down. No, it's not that serious. (laughs) Like, come on, (laughs) Chick Fil A. I don't know. Right, Chick Fil A. First off, is not currently funding any of these bills or involved in anything like that. That is more misinformation. even the anti-LGBT groups they donated to years ago, it was it's really debatable. I mean, like they, one of the examples they use is the Salvation Army, right? Which <laughs> it helps poor people. It does have Which some. Which I'm sure helps gay people who are poor or homeless. Yes, but it does have some personnel policies that you have to like. You can't be openly gay and work there, I believe. Um, but even then, they stopped donating to them several years ago. It's like they don't do any of this, but people can just spew nonsense, call for boycotts, and this is hardly the only person still saying LGBT support means boycott Chick-fil-A, and they don't actually have to have any basis in fact or reality, but to, but they're just going to slander these companies. Well, no. I mean, it's because that side, or I guess, honestly, both sides of politics operate off of emotion. So it's like if, if you have an emotional argument, nobody's going to go in and actually look at who Chick-fil-A funds. They're like, oh, I want to support you, so let's boycott. And then they just have an emotional reaction. And it's like, it's just, uh, I don't know. That video is exactly why we have the reputation that we do. I will, I'll give up Chick-fil-A. Like, I'll give up my right to get married before I give up Chick-fil-A. That's how much I like Chick-fil-A. <laughs> so, I mean, if anybody tells me to boycott Chick-fil-A, even if they were donating to them, I would probably still be a customer there because they have great customer service and they don't treat me any differently because I'm gay. Not to mention the amount of gay people that work at Chick-fil-A is insane. Every yeah. time I go there, there is a queen behind the counter giving me my chicken sandwich. <laughs> so I don't want to. I don't want to hear that Chick Fil A is homophobic because they're literally paying our community's bills. I well, the that's the thing. Even when they were donating to controversial groups, which they no longer do, but even when they were, they never actually treated customers badly or treated employees badly who were LGBT. Right. And when I evaluate a business, whether to boycott them or not, I'm not looking at the personal beliefs of the business owner. I'm looking at what's the actual work they're doing and if it's bad i don't want to support it but if you're making a product people love welcoming all customers employing all people and treating them well why would i get mad because you personally your owner doesn't support gay marriage i mean you can't have a society what are we going to do have republican restaurants and democrat restaurants (laughs) and start like checking each other's voting history before we interact like I, I, I just think that's toxic. And I also think it's a bad look if you're trying to promote LGBT acceptance to be telling people they can't have fun things. Like this super right. popular Harry Potter video game. She's saying, you can't play this if you support us. That's not a good way to get support. <laughs> also, right. do you think had nothing to do with the video game. Right? It's like so you, far removed. Do you actually think that people will care more about supporting you than they care about, like, Harry Potter? Have you met a Harry Potter fan? Like, of all the, like, optics that you could choose from, you're going to go after Harry Potter fans? Those people are crazy. So, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like, self-delusion and narcissism that get them into these, like, 
mind spaces that they can compel people's beliefs and actions. And it's just so frustrating to watch because a lot of people actually listen to them. And, and I think that that's especially on TikTok. Oh my gosh. How active are you on TikTok? I don't let myself scroll. I, I only You're I create so my wide. videos. I, I try. I try. Um, no, I create my videos on TikTok just because the editor is better, but I don't scroll on it because I feel like you know that helps with pushing my content out to the right audience. I guess. Yeah, same. I'm on TikTok. Well, same, but also I do scroll, and it's really bad. It's so <laughs> addicting. But also, I scroll on Instagram though. That's I how do. They, but that's how I get content for this show, though. Honestly, the algorithm oh. has started feeding me socialist and communist content and LGBT cringe because that's the stuff I save and send to all my friends and. <laughs> So yeah. it knows what I want and it feeds it to me and there's a never ending supply of stuff like this. But I also get it from Twitter and that's where this second item is. Uh, I did not know this, but apparently the 24th, so that was Wednesday, was Pansexual Visibility Day. And what I would like to know uh, is how did you celebrate Pansexual Visibility Day? What did you do to uplift, educate and celebrate pansexual people? Um, you know, I did the same thing that I did to celebrate Bisexual Awareness Day uh, because they're the same thing. Yes. So, <laughs> um, no, honestly, I had to Google what pansexual meant before I got on this call because I genuinely don't understand it. I just, I, I, I don't have a response to these crazy things anymore. It's like everybody wants to be put into some type of new category and they're just reinventing the wheel. It's like, your, what, what is the definition? So the oh, definition actually, is you, that. oh, you, you have it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sexually or romantically attracted to people regardless of their sex or gender. So bisexual. Right. It's literally, what I said on Twitter, and people got mad about this, but I stand by it. Calling your pan, yourself pansexual is literally just saying I'm bisexual, but I want more attention. It's just a <laughs> fancier or new name that's more like, gets you more identity points or something in the oppression Olympics. Um, but it doesn't actually mean anything different. There's no actual practical difference. And that's why I, first off, I think the whole like visibility day thing is strange. Like you're visible every day. Trust me, you make yourself plenty visible on TikTok. Right. <laughs> but everywhere. Yes. <laughs> but also it's, it's just kind of silly to me because if you were really trying to promote acceptance, you would be looking to assimilate and just people already know what bisexual is. Most people are totally fine with it. You don't need a new label. The reason you don't get as much attention from bisexual is because people don't care as much anymore. And that should be a good thing, but instead it doesn't, you know, get them enough spotlight. So I, I think the, the whole notion of pansexual visibility or pride or whatever, I think the whole thing's silly. Well, yeah, and there's something to be said about the nonprofits that are pushing these new letters into our alphabet that are capitalizing on it. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, we can say everybody wants attention, which they do. But the only reason these letters are being added is because we have acclimated to society. So there's no more money to be made off of gay, bi, or lesbian people. But there is money to be made off of this new invented sexuality or rebranded sexuality, pansexuality, or transgenderism. So... I mean, it is about attention when it comes to the individual, but I think in the grand scheme of society, the reason this is being pushed is because these nonprofits have nothing left to fight for when it comes to gay, bi, or lesbian people. So you just reminded me of something really hilarious. So Blair White tweeted a screenshot of this podium from Canada that says, protect 2SLGBTQI plus community. 
and she tweeted, WTF is this, the Wi-Fi password? <laughs> <laughs> it literally looks like somebody fell asleep on the keyboard. Like, I don't know what <laughs> it has become. Two Spirit is actually did a video on that because I, I just... I was flabbergasted when I figured out that Two Spirit was now added to like the Canadian alphabet, and I guess it has to do with Indigenous people um, and and transgenders. I don't I don't know, but essentially you have a masculine and a feminine spirit. And I'm like, if the claim that our community was a religion was not valid before, it is now because in order to believe in having a spirit, <laughs> you have to believe in spiritual religious things. So like that's just proof in and of itself that it's become a religious like cult like movement. Yeah, I think the other thing that makes it religious is like or cult like is that you if you question it you get attacked, right? That's the whole if you question Scientology, they will come for you, right? That like yeah. If you question CrossFit, some people will come for you. Oh gosh, I made that mistake on Twitter once and I won't do it again. Yeah, I won't <laughs> clip this part of the podcast uh, because I don't want those people coming for me either. But honestly, I take the radical approach that you should be able to question respectfully in almost anything, really. Um, right. And if you can't, if people are afraid of scrutiny or call you names or get really upset with you, it's often because they are, have some vulnerability there that they're trying to cover up. Um, but I want to know what the U.S. Embassy for Brazil is trying to cover up. Because oh, gosh. this is what the Biden administration is doing with our tax dollars, folks. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Mark, and I use he, him pronouns. You've probably noticed that more and more people are stating their preferred pronouns when they introduce themselves in social conversations, in classrooms, in the workplace, in their email signatures, and on social media. The reason is simple. There is a range of gender identities beyond male and female. In English, many use he, him, or she, her pronouns, but a growing number of people are using different pronouns like they, them, ze, them, ze, here, her, hers, and am. These are called gender neutral pronouns. They don't specify the gender of the subject of the sentence, and they exist because you can't assume someone's gender just by looking at them. Words matter and they are powerful tools to convey meaning and connect more deeply with one another. Making incorrect assumptions about someone's gender, that's a microaggression that could be hurtful for individuals who identify with certain communities, such as transgender or queer communities. So, what's the best way to be sure you're using the right pronouns? Just ask. Asking for and using someone's preferred pronouns show respect and help create an inclusive environment. So the thing that's disturbing about that is that that's not just some like woke person on TikTok. That is the official United States Embassy for Brazil under the Biden administration putting that out on their account as a like a PSA to the Brazilian people. Right. Like this is this is the reputation that we want to have around the globe is is that we go by per per pers. I've never like, even heard per, of that. Per, like what I, is that for people who think they're cats? <laughs> the, the the best part of this video is the fact that it is the U.S. embassy, and the American flag was in that video for about two seconds at the end, but the pride flag was behind him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> like if that's not a representation of how much we are put on a pedestal in this country, I don't know what is. I also just don't understand the goal here because. One, the message is kind of absurd in and of itself, but also it doesn't seem like like the Brazilian people. I don't know a ton about Brazil or Brazilian politics. I don't think they're woke with Zer pronouns at that. Like that, they probably see that and they're like, 
these cra these Americans are crazy. They're lunatics. Like, if your goal is to advance diplomacy, why are you pushing extreme, divisive social issues? And it would be one thing if they were like standing up for the basic human rights of gay people in, in a right. foreign country or something. You can actually have a legitimate debate about whether we should be advocating for those kinds of values. And there's arguments on either side. But to just like push woke nonsense in non-woke countries from our official embassies seems not only just like a, a waste, but also like counterproductive. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know much about Brazil, but I can't imagine that they're a very wealthy country. So this whole like pronoun nonsense coming from the U.S. embassy to Brazilian citizens who are most likely not doing very well. And again, I could be wrong. It's just like at least compared to the U.S., we're definitely right. At least more. compared to us, I mean, it's a telltale sign of a privileged society if you're talking about microaggressions. <laughs> like a Brazilian or somebody in South America is going to look at that and be like, "What are you talking about? Like, I'm trying to put food on the table for my family, and you're talking about microaggressions." I just sometimes I think that the you know downfall of our country is is just inevitable because we've become so inherently privileged in the way that we live that we don't have real issues to worry about so until there's like a war or something that is 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 big that that genuinely affects us i just don't think that this is going to change because what is there like we have to find something to fight for so now we're worried about microaggressions i find you know? the concept of microaggressions offensive right the idea that well, right the idea that gay or transgender people are like mo emotionally fragile and if you say something slightly a minor minor verbal tick that's not quite right or somehow suggests that they're different that they're going to be emotionally traumatized by that or that it's akin to aggression in any way i actually think most people in the lgbt community are pretty resilient and um, right. if they're not if they're actually vulnerable to microaggressions then that suggests that they lack the basic emotional resilience of an adult Right. Like it's, it's the same concept with hate speech. Like I get offended when people, if, if somebody were to say something homophobic and then they're like, oh, that's hate speech. I get more offended at the person saying that's hate speech than I do at the person who's being homophobic because yeah, it's speech that I hate, but this whole idea that I cannot take care of myself emotionally because of my sexuality is actually inherently homophobic to look at me as anything other than human and, and to think that I'm not, you know, strong enough you need to, to be coddled. Right, right. And to victimize me like that, it's it's so frustrating. And I just I, I can't deal with it. I, I just still am not over this. This is the official Biden administration foreign policy, I guess, is exporting. What are these pronouns? Z, her, X, E, X, E, M. It's not even just like her pers, P-E-R-P-E-R-S. It's not even just like they, them, which would be cringe uh, in and of itself. But it's like they're like inventing stuff that doesn't even actually exist, except for maybe a few random teenagers on Tumblr or something. And they're exporting that. Well, can we talk about the fact on how offensive this is to people with actual gender dysphoria? I would not want my, my actual it, medical condition and transition right. inflated with whatever the heck that is. 
like and, and it comes it's like the they them stuff the non-binary stuff the per per pers pronouns it's like if i had gender dysphoria i know that there are two genders because i'm dysphoric about it so this whole idea that gender doesn't exist or that we can make up our own pronouns is a slap in the face to people who are actually struggling with gender dysphoria and looking to get treatment for it and i don't understand why that hasn't been recognized by a lot of these people who are trans it's like is this not offensive to you that they're just making up pronouns when you're actually going through something that's a struggle and half of these people are just saying they're non-binary because they're in all honesty you know not that good looking and and want attention (laughs) sorry i mean you're not wrong but uh no i find i've never i've never seen a good looking non-binary person i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) the most offensive part about that is uh that they're using our tax dollars to do whatever the heck we just watched, which makes it exponentially yeah, worse to me than whatever random people are posting on TikTok. Um, but the next story, I saw you tweeting and posting about this, and it inspired me to look a little bit uh, deeper. So this is from NBC News. Parents file a police report after a teacher offers LGBTQ-themed book to her middle schoolers. So. Sarah Bonner has been an Illinois middle school teacher for 20 years, and she has always tried to offer her students a diverse collection of books. This year, a parent called the police over her book choice when she held a book tasting for students. One of those books was Juno Dawson's This Book is Gay. It's a best-selling nonfiction book that's billed by its publisher as an entertaining and informative instruction manual for anyone coming out as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or trans. So. Initially, I'm somebody who's very into free speech, very against the idea of banning books. So at first I was like, oh, wow, this looks bad. When I looked into it, I very quickly realized there there was a little more to this story than NBC News led on. Yeah, and the only reason I caught on to that was because I did some work with Gays Against Groomers like a, a few months ago, and I remember re- like looking at this book, and I'm like, I know that book. That book is not appropriate because it was held up in a school board meeting, and they had to censor it on TV. Like the book talks about eating feces as a kink. <laughs> It talks about it, instructions on how to meet people online and hook up with them. And it, it's visual, gra- it's disgusting. And I'm like, okay, this is why you got to do your research, people, because a lot of the time, it's not actually because they're targeting you because you're gay. It's just because it's literal porn. Yeah. So the book has sexually explicit diagrams, a how to guide on quote unquote boy on boy sex. It has a guide. Uh, for... I love how it's boy on boy, not not like man on man. Well, because it's boy specifically targeted to kids. I know. It's, it's... <laughs> uh, it, it has an appendix that explains what a strap on is, what rimming is. Um, this book is very sexually explicit. And we're talking about it being um, given to middle schoolers. And then somebody reported this to the police which maybe it's not necessarily a police matter, but the school district, I think appropriately, placed her on paid administrative lead, leave while they investigated her, and then she quit. She didn't even wait for the results of the investigation. She resigned. So it's like, uh, clearly, I think she knew she did something wrong because she didn't even protest this or try to like fight and, and keep her job. She just quit. 
And I just uh, people are so quick to say this is just homophobia or these rube parents who don't want their kids to learn that gay people exist or something. And it's like, no, we're talking about middle schoolers that was that were given books that are wildly sexually explicit. Why are people defending that in our name? I find that kind of offensive. Well, we we've gotten lazy. You know, you read the top of an article, you and then you read whatever you know confirms your biases, and then you just move with it. And it's really unfortunate because journalism is supposed to bring things to light, and that's just not the case anymore. Nobody is actually doing their own research, and I don't blame them. You know, that's the job of journalism. But it's just not happening anymore. Everybody wants to be in their own echo chambers and they'll use little situations like this to reinforce them. And I, I just I hope that there is a reckoning in, you know, the, the journalistic field within the next five to ten years, but I just don't see it happening unless it becomes all from, you know, independent content creators like us. Yeah, well and that's the thing. I learned the truth about this story from the Twitter notes. Uh, which is the community fact-checking of this tweet that from NBC News, which now has 25 million views um, because wow. they really got exposed for this misleading reporting because they even put uh, the, the image for the article. They put a photo of the teacher holding up a book that's not the book no. she got in trouble for. <laughs> Right. Well, if I didn't read the article, because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, what book is that? So then I like read the article and then I realized the book they were talking about. I was like, that's not even the same book. It's very like, they, they purposefully lied. Like, that's not even a mistake. Because this that NBC News article doesn't contain a single detail that we gave the listeners and the viewers about what's in the book. Just calls it an LGBTQ book, doesn't mention any of the sex stuff, any of the guide to going on the internet for hookups, anything. And this book is actually on the, the list of the 10 most banned books in America, which I, again, am not somebody who generally supports the idea of banning books. But first off, removing a book from a school library isn't the same as really banning it. But in some cases, I have seen examples where they're removing books from libraries that I don't think should be removed, but it's not helpful when they're conflating that with removing wildly sexually explicit material from middle schoolers in the classroom, which is right. common sense. I mean, and you're wondering why everybody's wondering why the pendulum is swinging so far right when it comes to, you know, lo overanalyzing the, the content that our kids are reading. It's because of stuff like this. Like if, you, if you're going to equate this book to being a gay book, then people are going to equate eating feces and doing all of these nasty things to being gay. I can't so look at gay laughing, people. but that's literally I know. what they're doing. I know. So it's like these people, if I wasn't gay, I would be looking at gay people like, oh, <laughs> this is what you guys do? Like, it's gross. And I don't blame, it's so hard because I, it's like, I, I know that a lot of people on the far right are homophobic, but I, I can't say that if I wasn't gay, I wouldn't fall into that echo chamber with what's happening right now because anybody with a brain that sees this that is not gay is is going to equate that to being gay and it, it's really unfortunate i also think if you actually went around to just like normal gay people on the street and showed them this and said do you think this should be given to kids they would say no right but it's like right. the activists who are quoted in the media and who work at these lgbtqi2 spirit 2 plus nonprofits, they're the ones who do push this stuff and they do it to frankly the harm uh, of the rest of us. Um, and speaking of those nonprofits, 
I have to talk about the uh, the next topic, which is the Human Rights Campaign, HRC, which is the biggest LGBTQ activist organization. But I really personally think it's a Democrat activist organization at this point. It's just yeah. full partisan. They are warning LGBTQ people to avoid the state of Florida, issuing a travel advisory in partnership with Equality Florida. Um, it's not a blanket recommendation against travel, uh, the CNN reports, but they are warning that the state is hostile to the LGBT community because of its policies. Again, I've talked about this in the context of the NAACP recently warning that Florida was dangerous for black people. It's all really hyperbolic and really absurd. I was in Florida not too long ago. There's tons of gay people in Florida walking around on the beach, having massive pride parades. Even if you disagree with some of the policies in the schools or whatever, it doesn't make the, the state hostile or dangerous. It's like they forgot about Miami. Like, <laughs> are you are you kidding me? I, I mean, I live in Florida. I live in oh, Tampa. Okay. And it, so it's like I walk around with my boyfriend. We hold hands. Never have I been accosted. Nothing. You know, it, I just live like a normal person. If I call the police, they're not going to not come to me or ask me, are you straight or gay? Like, I don't understand what, where they're coming up with that. Actually, I do. Um, because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, which is nonprofits needing to create some type of problem in order to solve it and continue to have money coming in. So if if they make Florida hostile to gay people, then they can go to their donors and say, hey, we need to fight this in Florida, give us money, keep us in business so we can pay our employees salaries. So I figured out that the uh, human rights campaign was a fraud a few years ago. When I looked at the scorecards they give members of Congress, they rate them, like lots of activists, this is normal, lots of activist groups do this, where they rate you, like the NRA will do, give you a rating for as a member of Congress for how good you are on protecting gun rights. In the same way, um, like liberal-leaning groups will rate you on how good you are at voting for that cause. And for the LGBT support that they were evaluating people, they docked you down points, depending on your views on immigration, abortion, Obamacare, voting for conservative judges, and all these things that are literally just partisan, include, I think, refugee policy. And they took points and marked you as anti-LGBT if you voted against those things. Because they literally, in their they use this weird logic where they're like, gay people are refugees, gay people need health care too. Or like, and so they essentially just try to weaponize their their historical credibility and legitimacy that they once had um, to push a partisan agenda and then smear you, not just as wrong if, the, if you vote against things like Obamacare or something, but as bigoted, which I think is a way to try to short circuit the political conversation and bully through an agenda. And it's unfortunate because... Like you said, the whole bigoted argument, they call you a transphobe, a homophobe, it really just, it, it you pens any rational discussion. And it, it happens to me personally, you know, like even today, the local like drag queen in Tampa, like found my Instagram and was like, this person's in our spaces, like blah, 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 trying to like cancel me. And then all they did was just name call. And it's like, this is the problem. All we're doing is name calling when you, we could actually have a rational discussion about, you know, things like free health care and, and, and those other situations, but nobody wants to talk about it. And then now we have a whole community that's like socialism. And it's like, why? And they're like, because I'm gay. I'm like, OK, cool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, I think the human rights campaign is a joke. I will certainly be visiting Florida again soon, and I don't expect 
to be arrested and by the Gestapo and put in any rainbow cages. I don't know, um, but you'll have to tell. I mean, they sound fun if if they're there. <laughs> rainbow <know>. cages, <laughs> kinky. Um, no, I, I mean, I just hear a lot from gay people who live in Florida that actually they're thriving and they think these things are uh, nonsense. But that's why people are going to stop listening. People are going to start tuning these orgs out, completely ignoring these travel advisories, which is bad because they're needed in some foreign countries. For example, right. like there are some countries you should not go to if you are a gay person. And the human rights right. campaign, and if you Google, you know, can I go here or whatever, and these advisories come up, you might discount them because they're partisan and silly domestically and then accidentally go somewhere you shouldn't go. Now, hopefully you do more research and you wouldn't just take the word of some activist organization, but I worry that, that there's some real downsides to what they're doing to their credibility here. Yeah, that's a really good point. All right, well, let's move on and talk about some cringe or dumb things that I saw on the right over the last week because Look, the LGBT community has a lot of problems, uh, for sure. But I also think we're witnessing something of a backlash on the right that I don't know if you've experienced it. I've personally experienced it. When I first came onto the political scene, um, you know, as kind of a libertarian style conservative, it was in 2017 or so. And I really will tell you back then, no one cared. I did not encounter homophobia whatsoever. Over the last year or two, I kind of have started to more. And I've seen what the word transphobia gets thrown around a lot and most of the time not actually accurately but i've started to see some actual hatred towards transgender people in certain circles of the right i think as well um or just some scapegoating and demonization yeah. of people and some just backlash towards the lgbt community i don't know have you started to feel this as well yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely increased within the last like six to eight months. Um, I've only been in this political space for like maybe two years where I actually had some fo small form of traction. Um, but yeah, no, I've even noticed it in like in, in social situations, not even online. It, it's like the, the pendulum has swung so far because we were, you know, or not we, but like leftist uh, LGBT people were pushing so hard that now it's like, everything that was building up is, is, is coming out and it's, it's, it's pretty bad. You know, I mean, we see it, there's infighting within our own movement just because somebody is gay and wants to, you know, have free markets and doesn't believe in universal health care. It's, it's pretty unfortunate that we're seeing a rise in it, but I, I agree that it's getting worse. So I want to start with one example. Um, the Bud Light Dylan Mulvaney situation. I have a little bit of a nuanced view of it. I think it was bad. I think it was dumb. Um, I think they clearly made a big mistake partnering. So for folks that don't know, Bud Light, the beer company, partnered with transgender TikToker Dylan Mulvaney. And just it wasn't even like a big partnership, but just sent Dylan like a figurine and maybe some beer or something. But it went mega viral. They've been boycotted. Um, they've been accused, I think not unfairly, of going woke. Um, and so it really hasn't worked out well for them. But I also think the rights probably overreacted. Uh, in particular, I think the government officials getting involved in it is strange to me. We have Ted Cruz now calling for Bud Light to be investigated by the federal government over its Dylan Mulvaney's partnership. Take a clip, listen to this clip from Fox News. And you want to investigate what Bud Light was doing with Dylan Mulvaney. It destroyed a brand that may not recover. What's your focus? 
Well, listen, I, I can't think of a, a company in modern times that has more alienated its customer base and, and seem to have so little understanding of who it is that actually drinks Bud Light. But, but this week, I sent a letter to the CEO of Anheuser-Busch, along with Senator Marsha Blackburn, because the CEO of Anheuser-Busch is also the CEO or the chairman of the Beer Institute, which is the regulatory body, the industry regulatory body that regulates itself. And one of the rules that beer companies are supposed to follow is they're not supposed to market to kids. Remember the whole, uh, whole Joe sure. the Camel thing? This is the same thing here. Well, you know what? Dylan Mulvaney, a massive percentage of Dylan Mulvaney's audience are kids. And Budweiser was trying, I believe, with this ill-fated marketing attempt to target teenagers. If you look at things Dylan Mulvaney has online, it's things like Days of Girlhood. Uh, th th there's another video where Dylan Mulvaney right. is, is singing, my name is Eloise and I am six. There's another one where Dylan Mulvaney is shopping for Barbie dolls. These are clearly things aimed at teenagers and even children younger than teenagers, which violates the rules. And so we're calling on the Beer Institute to investigate the degree to which Anheuser-Busch knowingly was marketing to children mm -hmm. in, in going down this road. So look, I don't really care if people want to boycott Bud Light, and that's a, a market response, but I don't think the government has any business getting involved and going after a business for, for being woke or partnering with a trans influencer. That seems like big overreach for me, especially because Republicans just had a whole committee called the weaponization of the federal government talking right. about the many ways that the government is used as a weapon against conservatives. Is this not the opposite to some extent? No, it's exactly that. And this whole idea that Dylan Mulvaney is somehow marketing to children as a way to like get the government involved, it, it's not only completely diluted and false, but it, it really does show how much conservatives don't understand social media. Like just because you're trans doesn't mean you have a audience of children. And I, I just I'm not able to understand the distinction there. Like, since when is Dylan Mulvaney a like child actor? No, I mean, Dylan Mulvaney is an adult. TikTok does have a lot right. of underage users. But let's be honest, there are tons of TikTokers who've done collaborations with alcohol brands. Ted Cruz has not tried to in investigate a single one of them. It's a pretext. It's a pretext. Right, right. And I mean, so what? Are we not allowed to have al alcoholic brands market with influencers? Because I, I'm sure I have followers that are children. Everybody does because you can't control that. So it's like- Kids watch TV. They watch the Super Bowl. Right. right. And there's ads. Right. So, I, I mean, I just don't understand. It's, yeah, it blows my mind how hypocritical the right can be when we sit here and we're saying, okay, we're targeted by the left. The the, the government is weaponized against Which, us. True. And, and that's not false. That's not false. You know, the IRS is going after conservative organizations. We have we have proof. But then to use that same power to now go after people just because they're they're trans or they disagree with us ideologically, it, it blows my mind. Like we're all adults here. We should be able to scan our own behaviors and speech for hypocrisy. Why are we not able to do that? And it, it, our country has really just become very immature. Like, why are our politicians not able to say, hey, you know, we can't do that because then it would be completely hypocritical to what we stand for. I just don't see that anymore. And I just I, I feel like our entire country is acting like children that are fighting on the playground. Yeah, Republicans. I mean, I'm very right wing in my politics, but I increase am, am increasingly dissatisfied with Republicans because it constantly seems like they identify problems but then will embrace the same things later i mean i was for example very against the fact that the federal government spied on the trump campaign right 
and many Republicans uh, raised murder about this, right? And and were so outraged, almost all of them voted to reauthorize FISA, the the federal law that allows the government to spy on Americans in the name of spying on foreign nationals. Um, and right. so they get all outraged, and then when it's their turn, they go and do the same crap. And that's why I'm just I'm I'm sick of people people like this. But yeah. All right, let's talk about my favorite friends over at The Daily Wire. Uh, this time, my, my, my pal, Michael Knowles. I kid, actually, I met Michael. We did a debate. He was very nice to me. I, he seems like a nice person in his personal life, but I just very much disagree with him on most LGBT issues these days, including his statement. We're heading into Pride Month. There was just a big scandal with Target and some weird Pride stuff they had on display that they took down in response to backlash. Uh, and, and so we're seeing some folks on the right really go nuclear against even the idea of a rainbow sig signal or symbol or Pride Month at all. Take a listen to what Michael Knowles had to say. We've got to keep up that pressure. Matt made this point. He articulated it directly. But this has been the point that has been building for months now, which is we need to make that symbol toxic. The pride flag symbol, we need to make that toxic. We need to have companies think twice about it. Everyone was talking about the, the Dylan Mulvaney incident as being harmful to the Bud Light brand. That's true. But more importantly, it was, it was harmful to the Dylan Mulvaney brand. Now, now other companies are going to think twice before sponsoring Dylan Mulvaney because they don't want to lose $6 billion in market cap in two days. That's what we got to do. And then once we make these things culturally toxic or as we're making these symbols culturally toxic, we've got to bring in the cavalry. We've got to come back in with more political force to ban some of this stuff. So, look, I've been a critic of Pride Month and different things related to it for a while. This seems like a little bit of an overreaction to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it just looks eerily similar to the activism we see on the left, where it's like, we have to make it culturally toxic to go eat at Chick-fil-A. We have to make it culturally toxic to, you know, read Harry Potter. It's the same exact thing. It's another example of hypocrisy. But I do want to touch on this because it's something that I'm sure you've experienced internally as like a creator. When you make it you know, when you start to gain a following, I feel like this is just a prime example of you having to be pushed more and more to the right uh, because that's, you know, how you, you generate traction is with shock value. So you start as a reasonable creator and then you start to make it more and more and you have to continue to find that success. And I think a few people at the Daily Wire are a prime example of that. Yeah, it's called audience capture. Right, this idea that ah, when you, there's a word for yes, it. Yes, there is a word for it. <laughs> I struggle against it, right? I try not to, right. but some of my content, I, I try not to, you know, rile people up just for the sake of it, or just be controversial for controversial sake. Um, but that really is what gets clicks and gets views and gets money. Uh, and so I think you do have this incentive to keep going more and more extreme. But I want to particularly talk about this notion that we need to. One, I think the idea that you're ever going to make the rainbow symbol is not some bad symbol in and of itself. I hate when they say it's a, a symbol of sex. It's not. It's a symbol of, of love right. or romance, but it's not a sexual thing inherently. There's been some weird stuff pushed under the name of pride that I don't support, including at Target. 
But you're never going to make the rainbow culturally toxic. It's already out there. It's shoved down our throats at this point. It's way too much out there. But secondly, even if that is your goal, okay, I don't agree with it. But the idea that you're going to use political power, which means the government, to ban some of this stuff is nuts. That's totally inconsistent with free speech, with the First Amendment, these things that conservatives are supposed to support and have spent years now, I think often rightly, complaining that the left doesn't support. Well, yeah, this is exactly what happened, you know, five to eight years ago when the left was in control of culture. You know, they they started boycotting companies, Aunt Jemima, all of these companies that have changed their marketing techniques to appease the activist on the left. All that's happening is the pendulum is swinging to the other side and conservatives are getting excited. So they're like, all right, here's the game plan so we can do the same thing that the left did. And this goes back to my point of us acting like children. We're just doing the same thing over and over again. And I'm just waiting for somebody to stand up and say, hey, um, when are we going to end this cycle of going back and forth? Because you're both acting like lunatics. Yeah. Like somebody has to come in. That's what I'm here for. But people people don't (laughs) just listen to me. If everyone just listened to me, we wouldn't have any of these problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. So I want to go to this next topic. I found this profoundly disturbing. So there's a anti-trans account on Twitter that's called Males in Disguise that posts things. And they posted this text exchange that they must have found from somewhere else on the internet. Um, That is essentially, and here's the caption they wrote, based, which for folks that don't know means like cool or spot on or like good. It's a positive adjective. Based mother and father kick out son after he comes out as trans. There are texts from parents that say, um, he texts his, his dad, what am I supposed to do? Since you think you can be a girl, figure out everything else on your own. I won't have a tranny living in my house. I'm disgusted you've turned out this way. He says, stay away or I'll call the police when he asks for his things. Or I guess she, if this person identifies as a girl, uh, the mom said, also texting the mom, can you talk to me? What am I supposed to do? Mom says, we are so disappointed in you. We have had enough. Leave us alone. You are a disgrace. This is your own fault. So look, I don't think this is super common. Some people have suggested that these texts might be fake and that's possible. Um, But what really disturbed me was people on the internet saying this is based, like saying this is good. Right. I, I, when I tweeted saying that this was gross, not based, I had people flooding my replies, arguing that that's good that the parents did that. And I'm sorry, if you think that you're in the head, like you shouldn't have become a parent. If you, I get it. People have different views on gender, on transgenderism. It's touchy, but you should always still love your child. You shouldn't abandon your child over something like that. Your job as a parent is to protect your child. And I mean, I did see in the replies, this may have been an adult. It may have been a child. We don't really know. But either way, if your child is suffering with gender dysphoria, it's your job to help them and help them them deal with that. And sometimes there are other treatments for gender dysphoria that are not transitioning and if you don't agree with that, then you can have that conversation. But to kick them out and think that that's somehow going to be beneficial to what you want your child to be is it just blows my mind. Like if you don't want your child to be trans, kicking them out, you think that's that's going to make them not be trans, help them get help. That's your job as a parent. I, it's it's disgusting. But, you know, I'm sh- I, I read those replies, too. And the amount of people that are just 
completely like abandoning any type of rational moral thinking just because they have this and i hate to say it transphobia is my it's point. overused but then this kind of thing it really is that is hatred yeah. right um you must just mm -hmm. blindly hate trans people and i will say this i'm not christian i don't know what your beliefs are but that from what i do know about christianity that is not a christ-like approach to treating your child no. or to treating other people who are different from you, who are, even if, I'm not saying you have to embrace and agree and just completely change up all your values, but there's a way to still even disagree with them or not support them in that and still be loving and still be their parent and be there for them or work it out with them or try to, and this also is triggering for me, to be honest. Uh, it's like, yeah. and I say that knowing that's a very ironic word, but it's just, ah, uh, this bothered me so much when I saw it. One, the text bothered me because I was like, oh, it's heartbreaking. But then all the freaking people on Twitter defending it. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Who hurt you? I don't get it. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought up religion because a lot of times we see this with the religious right. And it's like, I mean, I grew up Christian. I don't consider myself like a practicing Christian. I do believe in God. I have faith. You know, I pray, whatever. But Christ befriended sinners. So even if you don't agree with transgenderism, you don't agree with homosexuality, befriending, if I was a Christian that was straight, I would be befriending these people, showing them the way that I live in hopes that that motivates them to become more like, like me or to live more like me. So to kick someone out or to attack them, it's to me that's antithetical to what you believe in. So I, I don't really understand it. But I don't think these people are thinking that deep into their actions. They're just responding based off of, you know, the way they feel, and they're not really scanning themselves for hypocrisy. All right. On a slightly lighter note, I want to just react to something that I just found honestly really funny. So there's a website called The Federalist, which is a right-wing news publication and opinion commentary website, which I wrote four years ago. I think occasionally still publishes good things, but has really lost the plot in a lot of ways. And this headline, Pride Month is a cynical exercise in state-enforced homosexuality. It is by, <laughs> I can't even read that. Sorry. sorry <laughs> so this article is by someone named Samuel um, Mangold Lewitt, who is a fellow at the Claremont Institute, because of course, but they essentially argue that pride is so pushed on people these days, which it is, I think, pushed on people, um, in including, they say, by the government, that it's essentially state-enforced homosexuality at this point, which I think is such a good example of hyperbole to the point of absurdity. Because I don't know about you, Clarkson, but I have some straight friends, straight male friends, and they manage to make it through June every month without having sex with any other men. That's so funny that you said that, because I was literally just about to say, last time I checked, um, most straight people don't just choose to be gay. I'm confused. I don't know many straight people that do Nobody's that. Nobody's coming so around to force them. No, I don't think that the government's coming around and saying, hey, you know, blow this guy that's not <laughs> that's not happening i i don't know it's it's just this fear-mongering is so so crazy it's not state enforced homosexuality i mean it's state approval of the freedoms of being homosexual but to say that it's enforced is to say that you can choose to be gay so maybe the guy who wrote this article is feeling some type of way like he is having some feelings and he thinks it's the government's re it's it's their fault yeah, he's like that, hooking that he up with guys feelings. on the dl every june and he's trying to rationalize right. that he's like well and he's like oh really, the government made the, me do it 
the White House was lit up in a rainbow, so I guess I've got to go meet up with this guy. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't. <laughs> it's 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 lunacy. It's also just annoying because there are there are legitimate critiques of Pride Month and Pride, and it is pushed on us, you know, by corporations. Even like we showed you the the stupid uh, Brazil embassy gender stuff, but you undermine these legitimate critiques with this kind of hysteria and just hyperbole and that used to be a leftist thing right they always do that nancy pelosi said trump's tax cuts would kill people right bernie sanders said <laughs> repealing net neutrality would destroy the internet as we know it and it's like that's supposed insane hyperbole is supposed to be a leftist thing but i'm seeing it more and more on the right and i'm just not a fan no, I mean, fears is the motivating factor in everything. We saw that during COVID. And I think that the, the right is just catching up to that. So this is, yeah, this is a prime example of that. All right. Well, I will try to make it through the rest of Pride Month uh, without any state enforced heterosexuality because gross. Um, but <laughs> Clarkson, thank you so much. Uh, everybody check him out. I will put his links to his Instagram and his other accounts in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for joining me. No, thank you for having me. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for watching. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe, yada, 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 if you're on YouTube. And if you're listening to this podcast on Apple or Spotify, do me a huge favor and take a second to rate and review it. That will help new people discover what we're doing here. And with that, see you all next time.